Thank you very much for joining. This is Talking Yanks, and today our September guest call-up is Jay Gordon from River Ave Blues. If you use Twitter, if you like fan sites, you know what River Ave Blues is. They are like the top-tier Yankees website. They cover the hell out of them. They have a big Twitter presence. This was a fun conversation about basically about Internet fanhood, and Jay was on Yankees Twitter in 2008, when it was like him and Jesus nice, he talks about that. He talks about the beginning of Yankee internet fandom and blogs and websites and the the communities that grow so much so that like Don Zimmer reached out in 2003. We have a Don Zimmer voicemail. You're going to hear in the middle of this conversation, a lot of cool stuff. It was a, it's a pretty interesting. It's not really the on field stuff. It's more about Yankees, online community and how it's grown to uh and we are we are happy to be part of it now yeah and the the don zimmer voicemail is pretty cool and i was the my first thing i said to you was like like people may not appreciate how ridiculous don zimmer picking up the phone to call someone in 2003 was because today it's oh yeah you know so and so sent me a dm and they said that was so sweet and you're like oh that's awesome like no don zimmer had to go (laughs) like find someone down and call them. So that was cool. And yeah, just talking about kind of the Yankees internet universe we we live in. I was shocked at how young Don Zimmer's voice sounded. Yeah, it's nice. We also talked about fanhood and how it changes when you go from young to in your 30s and fanhood when you have these internet communities and you're just surrounded by everyone's opinions so enough about the interview here is the interview or conversation whatever you want to call it with jay everyone go tell jay thank you for coming on it was awesome uh this was a conversation it's a little different but i really enjoyed it so here you go we are joined with jay gordon from river ave blues really appreciate him coming on how you doing no today problem. i'm doing good you know um i just saw cc got called back up which is nice to see you know, a, a very beautiful day here in New York City. I like that they put CC down for a little bit. I thought it was a smart move, like, uh, and then hopefully he comes back strong. I, I kind of have to agree. You know, CC Savathi is kind of in that part of his career where these small, like, breaks are probably going to be more beneficial to him than anything else. I mean, he's not a young guy anymore. And sure, he can kind of get things going with that, um, that knee brace and really just fool people with how he pitches but unfortunately you know he's not always going to stay healthy and whether it's going to be the knee the back something because of his age who knows he gets that shot like twice a year so i think this was the chance to get the shot and make sure the fluids are all mm-hmm. finding their way in the right paths and then hopefully he comes back strong by the time this is released hopefully we got two good starts or at least one good start from him mm-hmm. so if you if you don't know who jay is he uh runs starts works for river Ave blues i really don't know your full involvement actually is it your baby or you run the twitter so, and admin so a few years ago we had been really working together on a bunch of the technical stuff between myself and joe polakowski and mike exiza ben kback we'd all kind of been talking about things and i had been helping them a lot with the technical sides and we were all friends and I had said to them, because they started it, I said, basically, do you want me to kind of be the technical person for the website? And if that's the case, like, I'll just 
take a part of the ownership. And so we had an agreement that, you know, I became one of the owners of River Avenue Blues. And with that, I kind of took over a lot of the Facebook, or I should say the Twitter stuff. My wife actually does a lot of our social for Facebook and and, and keeps things up. But um, I'm doing most of the tweets along with uh, Ben and Joe. Um, we, we try to keep things interesting and uh, at times spicy. Yeah. Oh, I like, I like spicy. And we want to start off Jay, I know we're we're a dog friendly pod. Sure. And it looks like you you got your buddy. Is it Rico? Rico the pug. Rico is a pug. He is about eleven and a half years old, and okay. he's a really really ridiculous little buddy. <laughs> I got an old dog. Jake's got a young dog. I got a thirteen year old Wheaton Terrier who I just watched him try to hide a bone in the couch cushions for about twenty minutes. So he's pretty dumb. Yeah, Rico has been napping most of today. He will likely be napping most of the rest of the day, and possibly when uh, the Yanks game comes on later on this evening, he'll be napping. That's so it's good life. He's, I've been really enjoying it with him lately, being on vacation. So I can say it, it is a dog's life, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I have I have Noodle the Doodle. He's a golden doodle. He. He's still a puppy, so sometimes he might participate. You might hear him. If Rico wants to, he's more than welcome. Um, he is he's passed out in front of me right now and he has no interest in getting <laughs> beauty so i mean jay tell us a little more about you give us kind of i don't know we like to have fun with it obviously because sure. if you're not having fun what are you doing but i mean even go go back like if you're on the baseball diamond today what position are you playing give give us the rundown if i'm a i'm, I'm actually playing a position today uh, based on my stature it's probably a catcher okay other than that, um, I kind of got started as a Yankee fan really young as a kid. My first game I can remember was a spring training game in Fort Lauderdale. And it was a Yankees-Mets game that my uncle would take me to once a summer, or I should say once during the winter and during spring training. Uh, and, and, and the other thing that was always really big was I remember seeing Don Mattingly the first time as a kid. And that being one of the things where I, I, I just fell in love with the Yankees and uh, stuck around for a really long time throughout the bad and then into the good, like a lot of us. I can say the one thing I can remember the most is I got to go to the 96 parade, which was a ton of fun uh, for anyone who's kind of, I guess, in my age group, you know, that um, grew up and, and kind of knew the, the 90s Yankees is, is your Yankees. So it, it, it's been pretty cool. Uh, fast forward years later, um, around 2008, a bunch of us kind of really started messing around on Twitter. And 2008 was when Yankees Twitter, I really want to say, started. There was no real Yankees Twitter. And at the beginning of Yankees Twitter was kind of like myself, uh, Leo Kitty, who's still on there, Ben Kaback, uh, Ben Yankee, Joe Paul, uh, Jesus Nice, who's now of the illustrious Jesus and Marrow yep. uh, Bodega Boys. He he and I were talking about the Yankees and complaining about Tory back in 2008, <laughs> just randomly bitching about things. And it, it, it really became something interesting. And then by 2009, a lot of us really started uh, meeting one another uh, in the New York City area. And we would go to places like uh, Bleecker Heights Tavern, which was a really great bar uh, out in the, the village and, and meeting at other places. We would spend some time with uh, Marsha Harold, who uh, worked at one of the bars also in Manhattan. And, and it was really a great situation. Like you felt this what was becoming a Yankees Internet community that went beyond, say, like the message board yeah. starting to grow. So, so that was all 2008, 2009. You start meeting each other. When did River Ave Blues start 
and and you take over like that Twitter sphere with the huge sure. following. River Avenue Blues, I believe they got started in 2006, 2006 or 2007. And that was Joe, Mike and Ben. That was their baby. They had started writing and um, they, they were pretty prolific at the time because, you know, while there were people who had started writing blogs and, and you know that there was like Jay Jaffe and Steve Goldman and people like that, the idea of like fan blogging really was was starting to happen uh and and get to a point where fan blogging really started uh becoming one of the more popular ways of getting information out there uh, and then i really got a look at what pete abraham started at the lohud plug uh, around uh, 2008 2009 and that really created this kind of synergy between all these different yankee blogs where people were talking uh, almost in a network between all of them and uh, Twitter really became this place where all that decentralized kind of conversation ended up meeting somewhere. So there, there were people that I had met on places like NYY fans going back into like the early 2000s and, and other places like Reddit that ended up like kind of moving over to Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that kind of Twitter world ended up really helping sites like River App Blues explode because it wasn't just you were reading the blog post. But you were also reading the thoughts of Mike and Ben and Joe and myself eventually. And it really created this kind of back and forth where there's a lot of different personalities that we know, that we've met in person, that we've all been, you know, almost feeling like, you know, friends and family at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's been really cool because the Yankees kind of, uh, it's, it's a long storied history and the fandom, it, it takes a lot of different types of things. Like some people's fandom is strictly like, you know, I go to the game or I watch a game. Some people's fandom is community. And um, I like to be part of the community side of the fandom. And that's why I love talking to fans so much. As your involvement, do you think that since since you have like this following, like you get the notifications for River Rock Blues, I don't know how often you look at them, but how has your fandom changed? Because we just got into this, uh, at the end of last year and this year it's been good and i've found out that not not good or bad but people are way different fans than me just the way they view the game the way they take in the mm-hmm. game uh negative positive reactions to different scenarios and when sure. all those opinions are coming to you did you have a moment where you're like whoa this is crazy or did it change the way you watch or or enjoy yeah so my friend joe he really liked to introduce me to something that that really helped and ben as well, but they're not really kind of, uh, I would say Ben doesn't follow it too well. It's the idea of Zen baseball. It's the idea where if you don't get too high or too low on a situation and you really try to enjoy from a middle ground, I think that it's really easier to be a fan because you don't take the emotional impact quite as well. I mean, quite as hard. So, I mean, I, I can go back to 2003, you know, why not start at 2003? where you reach that emotional high and you're the jerk off to all your Red Sox friends. And, um, you know, oh my God, the Yanks did it again. And you, and, and you give your Mets fan shit friends, you know, Mets friends shit too, because it was a high point 
And I was in my you know early 20s when all that happened. So I was as big a dick as possible to the people who had to listen to me be a giant dick about this. <laughs> it, it's just the way it was. But then as I started progressively getting older and also having way more interaction with other fans, I started recognizing, like because the internet did that for us, everybody just starts meeting other people that have opinions on the same thing. I started recognizing that maybe by 2004, I was starting to get way too obnoxious about how my opinion really uh went and kind of shared itself and you know as the years kind of progressed i started kind of cutting back the i guess the the downsides of being you know a baseball or a yankees fan and getting too upset and uh nowadays i'm really just in the middle i don't get too mad i don't get too uh happy i kind of just take it all in stride and try to really enjoy things and look at it more from an I guess, a, um, a passive uh, experiencer, if you will, someone who's just like watching it all happen. And sure, I will cheer at the big moments. I'll freak out at the bad moments, but I don't let it impact my day. I think that's the best way to put it. And I know some people that like, they watch a bad game. They're, they're friggin' miserable. And I just can't be that person. And it's crazy because it is such a long season and you you do get caught up in those moments. I know we'll we'll see when this comes out but the whole if it's one run Chad Green's coming in if it's two runs we're throwing in Chance Adams who is making his second major league appearance and you see one of those moments and you do get the passion and you're just like ah and then after it you're still mad and then you go okay second best record in baseball what what am I doing here (laughs) and and I caught myself doing one of those things like the other day when I saw the the waiver claims for Murphy and and um, and for um, who was the other person who got claimed? Adams from Adams, yeah, yeah. And, and I was saying to myself, like, man, it would be really cool if the Yankees would be upgrading. And it sucks watching all these teams improve while the Yankees get hurt and hurt and hurt. And, and I, I I realized, yeah, there's a waiver claim spot, and I understand that the priority sits in front of the my fandom of like the way the baseball works. But it doesn't mean that I'm not going to get irritated. You know, it, it's still part of baseball. I mean, I'll let it go really quickly. But I, I think one of the big parts of being, I guess, a passionate fan is is knowing how to ingest those moments and and make them not feel quite as, as harmful, I guess. Because like I said, as a younger fan, you know, I'll be 40 this year. And, and when I was like 21, 22, if the Yankees did something that I did not like, I would be just pissed. I would be miserable. You know, I remember... Just thinking back, I remember the Jeter injury with the shoulder back in 2003, I want to say it was. And I, and I lost my mind. <laughs> like, you know, I didn't really think, oh, great, what are they going to do? They, he's, but, you know, as the season progressed and I realized, oh, yeah, well, he's going to get better. And eventually he's going to play. And then eventually they're going to continue to win because the, they're one of the better teams in the league. And, and you saw, like, all those giant emotional things that you store your feelings for a baseball team for you build it up and you build it up. And then eventually by the end of the season, whether win, lose or draw, there's nothing left, you know, there's no more rooting and and you're left with the winter and and the winter can be just as tormenting for, for baseball fans. So I've just learned to kind of take all that stuff and kind of compress it into just a small portion of my life. Yeah. I I think that I found a growing up, like you said, when you're in your young twenties and we have like, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and high school and stuff, and they're just so riled up. And I'm part of me says, do it now because you will grow up and, and you won't, Mm -hmm. it won't be as hard. Uh, But then also there's two things. One, 
having a Twitter account where people send all their opinions to you. It's great. I love it. But you mm-hmm. learn like you just want to be angry. Like you're watching this game as a Yankees fan trying to be angry. And I learned I'm so glad that I have not I don't do that anymore. Like you said, I, I will get upset in a bad moment and I will get pissed for five minutes and like want to pull my hair out. But then it, that's it. And but there's people that just want to stew. Absolutely. And I think that that's the key to really enjoying baseball is knowing how to take those moments. Yeah. And turn them and, and, and just turn the page quickly. Like, you know, there's, there's a that baseball term that a lot of people use. You wear that bad situation and then you move on. Like if something crappy happens to me in my job, you know, uh, career wise, I, I've actually taken a lot of that kind of feeling of, you know, you wear it, you wear the situation and you move on and you try to live another day and succeed the next time you get an opportunity to. And and I kind of almost feel like that about baseball. It's just like you watch somebody fail and you're not involved. And, and that's the big thing that I think a lot of players uh, or I should say fans think about the players is like, dude, you're not involved or, or, uh, or whoever you are, you're not involved. And, and, and the other day I said something on Twitter that I really believe is that no matter how much you tweet about something, you are never going to um, have any impact on a major league baseball team from your Twitter account. It's never going to happen unless you actually are working for somebody. Yeah. Or you're a player tweeting out dumb shit when you're 16 and then it resurfaces. <laughs> Exactly. But if you saying go trade for this person isn't going to make them trade for that person, it's going to make you feel better. And that's a lot what I think that the Twitter uh, experience for baseball fans is really about now is that you get to feel better about the moment because you're expressing how you feel at that very moment. I think we're all guilty of that, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Yep. And then I think the, the good side about Twitter is that in the early before Twitter was around and you, before you had this centralized uh community like you said and you guys run river Eye blues you have a ton of followers and then we're growing with listeners and all that and before you had people that wanted this more zen or like come on let's actually think about this let's not just be angry all you had were radio callers who are like youtube commenters yeah. of the real life uh just want to be angry so like all we were listening to was the worst opinions being called in and then you fire off that and then you have to retaliate with like more heat to, to catch that heat or, or if the callers weren't giving the bad opinions and the hosts were, and that's like all fans sunk uh, their teeth into. And now that's why I think Twitter's great. Cause if you, if you have a, a calm point of view, you can still like grow and, and get it out there. Absolutely. Like um, you look at the, the time and how it's changed. And I can say like when I was uh, a little bit younger, I would listen to Francesa and, and, and the dog and listen to Kay and uh, a bunch of the other radio personalities here in the New York city area. And, and that's because I don't know if the, the internet around 2003 to 2006 quite had matured to a point when the, uh, the Yankees rivalry was at the highest point it could be. Now there were places online that you could have conversations. Like I said, uh, NYY fans was really the big one at that time. And I remember um, I was helping out the guy that runs, who was actually a friend of mine uh, that ran NYY fans. His name was Jim. uh, And he was one of the very first people I know that built one of these communities around the Yankees. Uh, and after the uh, thing in t- 2003 with uh, with uh, a Pedro 
and or I shouldn't was it no excuse me two, was it 2003 or 2000 it was 2004 uh I forgot no 2003 was the Pedro pushing Zim yeah I think so it, yeah and so whichever one that was I I just remember that the impact that my friend had at that point was that he was able to kind of raise money for the same amount of uh fine that Don Zimmer had actually oh, really? uh, been given. Yeah. So he raised that money and they donated it to a charitable foundation. And uh, Don Zimmer called my friend and left him a voicemail and said, you know, that was not necessary. And my mistakes were my mistakes, but I really do appreciate it. And uh, he's got the uh, voicemail somewhere. And what I'll do is I'll actually reach out to him after we talk and I'll see if we can get a copy of it. Maybe you can splice it in here. That'd somewhere. be fantastic. Uh, Received at 10.45 a.m. Yeah, Jim, uh, this is Don Zimmer. Uh, I just wanted to call to say that, uh, you know, what you're trying to do is, is wonderful, and uh, it's great to have people thinking about you like that. Uh, what, whatever happens, I've, I've already paid the fine, and uh, if there is money there, uh, you know, just send it to some charity, but... Uh, the thought is wonderful, and I just wanted you to know about it. Thank you. It's one of those things where, like, you can see how much that there there has been an impact between the internet and 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 what kind of uh, fandom has come from it, and how that fandom's changed. And like I said, you know, oh four, oh five, oh six, you're getting all you want out of the the big rivalry that the Yankees and the Red Sox are having, mostly on WFAN. Or, you know, Mike Francesa. And then you're, you're getting small, small blogs that are starting to come up. And that's Nomas. And then uh, there's also Boston Dirt Dogs. So now there's an internet rivalry that starts to happen. That's really starting to come together. And you can see these kind of personalities that start coming out of it. And by 2008, there's Twitter. And, and like I said, it all kind of had that one big progression of taking the decentralized like anger <laughs> that was all over the place and that a lot of it had to do with Yankees and Red Sox at the time and finding a good place to kind of have those those interesting chats and, and it wound up all on Twitter. Yeah. So you mentioned like Zimmer reaching out. I have to imagine that you, since running the River Out Blues, have some good stories. I don't know if you're willing to share or want to share or can share of players, players' parents. I've had players' parents reach out to me this season. We just saw Tyler Austin's dad just be an idiot himself on Twitter. Do you have any stories you can share of like get pe- people responding in getting in the DMs or calling? Sure. I know you recently I said that uh, Kay reached out to you after the whole Clint Frazier thing. Yeah, he did. He and I talked for a few minutes. I don't want to really go into too much of it for the sake of him, but he let me know that he at least had a conversation uh, that cried to kind of uh, – organize his feelings a little bit better than what he originally said to the kid. Yeah. So he told me that he, he did end up having some sort of uh, back and forth with Frazier that was off uh, what we saw in the public. Um, so that that's a little scoop that I know. Um, the other thing that I can give was um, a really cool little story. And I guess enough time has passed that I can share it. So a few years ago, uh, Michael Pineda was still on the, the mend from uh, the original surgery and um, he was getting close, and we had all started hearing in spring training, he's close, he's close, he's close. So one day I am at my uh, desk. At the time, I was working at BuzzFeed, um, and uh, I worked in tech for BuzzFeed, and I would 
be on a laptop all day, obviously working. And uh, I got a DM and the DM said, hey, um, I'm a fan of RAB and I'm in a, uh, an imaging office and I'm here to get an MRI and big Mike Pineda sitting next to me. <laughs> and so I said, really? Um, he said, I don't want to take a picture of him, but that's him sitting next to me. And I said, okay, where are you? He says, I'm in Tampa and I'm telling you, Michael Pineda is here for an MRI. <laughs> I said, okay, uh, let me run this up the flagpole and see where, uh, if I can raise it up to find out it's true. So uh, Jack Curry is a really, really great person, reliable. And so I, uh, I sent a note to Jack and I said, hey, Jack, it's Jay. Um, I got this note that Pineda is out getting an MRI today. Is there something wrong? Could you go through your um, your sources and, and find out? And by his sources, I mean calling Cashman and verifying it. So Jack hangs up the phone on me, and um, he goes and makes a couple phone calls himself. I get a call back a half hour later, and he's like, "Hey Jay, you were right. This is legit. He is in a having an MRI. We're not really sure um, how we're going to do this though, but we're going to report it." And, and I, he's like, you've already given me the scoop, so I'm going to run with the story, but I want to give you credit. And I said, that's fine. Just do me a favor and say, you know, our friends at River Ave Blues or something like that. And that's what he did. And when he sent out the messages to confirm, yep, Pineda was having an MRI and not really going to be starting his, his spring training the way that he thought. That was just one of those really cool moments where we were like, wow, so people can uh, help us make the news. Yeah. And, and it's just one of those really neat uh, things. Uh, we've, we've met some other people. Uh, you know, I've had some cool experiences. Uh, Jesus invited me to uh, CC Sabathia's uh, big uh, celebrity softball tournament the other uh, oh, yeah. month. Oh, yeah. How was that? So I, that was incredible. Uh, I got to go for free. I got to sit in, like, the third row at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I was bringing beer down past the netting two um to Jesus because he asked me for one so i had to go back down into the legends uh area where the buffet is go to the bar grab like two beers uh go past a security guard who was at the very front row behind a uh, home plate and kind of say to him like yeah i can get past you i can hand these <laughs> i the, the, the guy there who's going to be playing he wants the beer and so i just walk back and i just yell yo Jesus," and he walks back and i just hand him the beers um, just a funny moment. Uh, that I, I also got uh, one day. I was at the game uh, at a game. I think it was back in 2010 or 11, and um, this was like the second year of Hope Week. Okay. And um, Paul Vinny, uh, who I've been really friendly with for uh, years, uh, sent me a note on via DM and said, "Do you want to come and do a um, a roll call for some?" Uh, special needs kids that are going to be playing an assisted game here today. And I said, absolutely. Um, my wife and I stuck around Yankee stadium after the game. We, uh, we all met by the, uh, the gate where everybody goes in for the bleachers. They brought us down to the uh, downstairs area, of Yankee stadium. They brought us up to the bleachers. All these kids were on the field with the players. We did a roll call. Uh, this one kid who had a, a breathing issue actually was up at the top with Paul Olden announcing all the kids' names with him uh, as they all came through. So by the end of it, uh, when they were done playing the game, uh, a bunch of the players left, but some stayed. And um, 
they invited us all down onto the field to have a barbecue and to hang out with the kids and the players. So the players and their families stuck around. Um, I remember spending the day with like Andy Pettit, Java Chamberlain, uh, AJ Burnett, who, who was one of the nicest guys in the world I'd ever met really? as far as like, yes, yeah, such a really, really nice person. One of the last people that left that day also. I, I will also say Jabba Chamberlain is one of the most genuine guys I've ever met. Uh, we uh, talked for a little while. He took pictures with every single kid. And um, by the end of the afternoon, him and, and his kid Carter were still on the field when parents and their kids started to leave. It was just a great day. And so I think that being part of like a Yankee community and, and sometimes getting that DM uh, has been awesome. Uh, Sunman Kim, you know, Sonny who works with us, uh, I've been able to kind of get DMs from big events and send it to him and say like, hey, um, Aaron Judge is like over at this thing today. Do you want to go and like interview him? And he'll be like, yeah, sure. And so we, we've been able to send people that way. Um, not a lot of really like, th there's been one really bad situation and it has to do with someone that's currently in the Yankees management right now that I've had. Uh, me personally, <laughs> uh, that and that went through DM, and I'll, I'll talk to you about it after. But let's put it this way: um, I don't think that there's some people in the Yankees uh, front office that, if they heard uh, the argument I had, they'd be too happy with me. But it's um, it was one of those really weird situations where, you know, as a fan, I I, I got passionate about something, and someone noticed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we've had other moments where. Uh, the front office has noticed things. Uh, and I can say that the most noticeable situation in the last few years for River Avenue Blues was the day that the trade for Aroldis Chapman happened. There was a lot of uh, fan blowback. And Mike Exiza has never been one to kind of uh, lay low on what his opinions are when it comes to the, what moves the Yankees made. And he just said, I don't agree with this move. And, and we got some blowback from the Yankees. Um, that, you know, we're still actually feeling these years later. Um, and it was something where they just didn't really appreciate how it was worded. And uh, I don't think I'm speaking too out of turn by saying that, you know, a lot of people had a hard time with uh, what happened with that signing at the time. And, and people were upset and had things to say about it. Uh, all these years later, you know, we're still putting out great stuff with, uh, with RAB. And Mike is still you know, giving his opinions where we're, um, we're not going, I think a little too, uh, as, um, hard after certain things like that, because we do still really appreciate the fact that, you know, we, we're a Yankee blog and a, that has, um, enough, I guess, gravitas, if you will, in, in the, uh, in the world of Yankee fandom that we don't want to necessarily burn too many bridges or make people not want to speak with us or, echo our message so you do need to have a a little bit of a um ebb and flow to how you put information out there and i think that mike and the rest of the guys uh and gals that are a part of rab do a great job at it yeah it's interesting when you find out oh shit like people are actually reading the reading this or looking at this and you guys found that out a long time ago for uh river blues i guess but like last year i, I make mm -hmm. these dumb dumb ass videos where i just do breakdowns and i just make jokes and I, I, I just mm -hmm. record and I just say things and they're all doing the thumbs down. And I just went through each player and just made a joke about Jim's stupid joke. And then the next like week they're talking about it on R2C2 and CC's like 
quoting me and saying the jokes I made. And I was like, holy shit. I thought I was making that for 200 people on Twitter. I did not mm-hmm. realize the Yankees were watching it in the clubhouse. I like tore apart. I think I tore apart Clint Frazier. I was just like, can't even get the thumbs down right. Not ready for the big league. Send them down. And then I felt terrible. And then, but you know what? Every time I, I make a video now, I know they watch it. And something in my brain, even when we record podcasts and afterwards, mm-hmm. we're like, shit, maybe we shouldn't have said that. But something in my brain just turns it off uh, until maybe we get in uh, in some bigger situations like you got in then maybe we'll start thinking about it more yeah uh, i i can say one thing that r2c2 thing really has helped uh i think a lot of other people uh, recognize that the people uh in the clubhouse are fans of a game to a point as well and that um there's some humanity behind uh these people that were so used to seeming so robotic for so long like we watched derek as the the robot, you know, Yankee for so many years, like very, very little uh, personality and freedom for what he's able to say. And now these Yankees are, are, are much different. They're they're a little bit more modern. They seem to be more expressive. They seem to feel like, you know, like CC saying, you know, fuck that motherfucker on his podcast. I got to be honest with you. I wouldn't have heard uh, Derek say, fuck that motherfucker on his podcast. And it's just not a thing that Derek would do because that's not who he was. Um, and people like to say, you know, CC and AJ and Swisher, um, you know, they were the people that really started this whole anti-stuffiness thing in the, in the Yankees. But I also believe that time has, much like we as fans, well, you and I both mentioned it, you know, we, we changed as fans over time. Um, and I think that players and how they respond to fans and how they actually uh, discuss things to the media changed a lot. And you saw that uh, within the last, like, I guess, six years, five years, once players got the ability to kind of tweet and go right to the fan, um, you saw both the positives and the negatives. And I think it's been really, really great for baseball to have players interacting with people, um, making a, um, making their lives a little bit more visible. Like, you know, oh, here's me at this charity event. Here's me at this cool thing. Here's me with a chimpanzee on my head. You know, <laughs> who knows? But th- the fact is, is that we, we get these ideas now that players are, are regular people and they live our lives much like we live our own uh, or live their lives like we live our own. And I think that it's, it's created more uh, humanity between uh, the player and the fan. I mean, the fan will most likely look at the player as the, hey, just go hit the home run or throw the strikeout and, and, and make my team win. But I think that once you learn about the different you know, things that make these players tick and you start to enjoy things about them, and, and like Didi, Didi's the perfect example. You know, we didn't really know Didi that well when he came to the team. And then it was because of Twitter that his personality was really allowed to shine a little, whether it's the emoji things or stuff like that. And or him sharing his drawings on, on Instagram. And we started to see that this was like a fun guy that was you were glad to have on the team that was a part of like interesting things and had a life that was more uh, more than just baseball. Yeah. I think it's it's funny with what you said about Didi because it kind of it made him real, which a lot of Yankee players, like you were just kind of saying, don't seem real. <laughs> and then you see Didi doing that stuff, you're like, oh, this is a dude. Like this is this yeah. is a guy you can hang out with and have a good time. I think the other two things that jumped out to me in the past couple minutes, Boston Dirt Dogs. Man, I haven't heard that 
in a while. Yeah. I remember that blog. And then the other thing that kind of just scared me was I don't think I can picture Derek Jeter cussing. Like I don't I don't picture like a ground ball going off his shin and being like, you know, dropping an F or an S or any of that. I mean, I'm sure there's something out there, but still, it's just the idea. I, I've heard some on-field cursing before, but, you know, you don't really ever hear him and having conversations. But, like, listen to A-Rod and, and CeCe and Ruko have, like, a regular conversation with three people. And, and the word, you know, the words that we use in conversations come up sometimes. Yeah. Some of that thing fucking sucked as a baseball player, and that's what they do. And and it's cool to hear that re- that the realism and that that oh yeah, he's a regular person like me with CC Sabathia that made me appreciate him even more. And um, you know, I I know at least one person that knows CC you know personally as a friend, and he said like, yo, he's just a fun guy, and that's how we became friends. And I was like, that's really rad. I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't pine for celebrity or athlete friends but i i'm kind of jealous this dude is, is you know boys with cc sabathia it's really cool yeah right and the the other thing that you mentioned that i kind of wanted to segue to a little bit was kind of the the fans from last year to this year and i mean in the past i mean heck if we even want to jump back to the araldis chapman trade the yankees are trading away players for one of the first times ever and just kind of seeing how that how that led into last year, which was this weird Yankees underdog season of hope and optimism and, you know, almost the Yankees putting a dirt dog spin on the Yankees, which is a scary phrase. But um, And just how that spun into this year where it's, are we just this spoiled, entitled fan base? Or, I mean, what are you seeing a lot of and what what do you want to see less of, fan I guess? Fan base has been spoiled and entitled. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's something that's kind of been part of being a Yankee fan for like the last 20 years. It's, it's hard to look at the Yankees and, and not look at success, even in those seasons when they did not either win or, uh, the championship or, you know, something like that. It's very difficult to look at the Yankees uh, overall and find a, a large amount of failure. Now you can look at the Yankees and look at it almost in the cyclical cycle of baseball and say by 2000 and, you know, I guess 15 they, they ran through the same cycle that they had done by 2008, that whatever happened the previous four to five years doesn't matter anymore. Like, you're now a team that's not very good. And whether it's injuries, whether it's talent on the field, and at that time, you know, we're talking about guys like Vernon Wells and, you know, players that were a bit past their prime just filling spots or, or Ichiro and things like that. You know, there, there was really not as a fan much to kind of, cheer for but when you saw in 16 the team finally make the decisions to do the things that they had i guess even in the years when they weren't going to go very far they they decided let's keep pushing let's keep pushing and for the first time i watched in in my uh yankee fandom in in very long time watched them kind of sell Mm -hmm. and i think and it wasn't a tremendous sell but it was enough to kind of uh, recuperate players that are now extremely helpful to the organization. That and just like the improvement in the draft also really came around 2014. Uh, the draft really improved. The the years of like picking up the the Dante Bichettes and you know uh, players like that that were a cool idea. There were raw potential, but they really weren't going to be players that impacted the team very soon. Uh, it, it became uh, disheartening, I think, for a lot of fans. 
but now that what you're watching and how they're doing the draft and uh, going so much after international free agency yeah. uh, in, in the way that the system works now. And for anyone that knows, um, international free agency used to be, who do you want? How much you got? Great. Go get them. Now the system is all handled by, um, you know, slot dollars and you need to only sign with what's in your, your allotment of, of dollars. So I think that the fan has become so used to the Yankees spending on whatever they want when they want that right now this this period of austerity combined with success is a very weird thing I think for a lot of fans like the fact that they don't want to overspend but at the same time you know they have the second best record in yeah. the league you know and it's frustrating uh, because you watch them at some point throw money at the problem uh, and get players that could fill in for a time but what we learned was the downside of that was not going to be beneficial to the team long-term. And you get stuck with players at the end of their contract because you traded for them, or you get stuck with dead money on a contract because you deal a player that you didn't want anymore. And, you know, to just look at it from recently, the only player that I can look at like that is like maybe a sunny gray right now where you may get stuck in that situation. Like um, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to, turn Sonny Gray into something like they did with, say, Brian McCann, you know, a guy who was at the end of that part of the, uh, his time with the Yankees, where they looked at, um, and, and I didn't say that about his contract, but it's more has to do with uh, who was in the pipeline. And at that time, you know, Gary Sanchez was in the pipeline. There was nothing else you could mm -hmm. do. You know, you had to move a guy on like that. But I guess with um, Sonny Gray, it's, it's, it's fit, you know, it, it just feels like fit and it's just not there. Yeah. So where, where they go with him next, it's, it's going to be different. I think than in the past where you could just dump money and live with the fact that you don't have that player on your roster anymore. Um, I just don't think they're going to do business like that quite as much anymore. And I don't see them just acquiring players because they feel like they need to make a move. Yeah. That was a good conversation. Thank you. Um, I'm glad I got to do this with you today. I'm going to go and, uh, Grab some lunch, maybe uh, see what uh, if there are any afternoon games, and then uh, hopefully enjoy the rest of my vacation day today. And uh, unfortunately, start my new job. Well, no, it's not too unfortunate. Yeah, I like good. I got a new job that I'm starting next week, but it's back to work. So before we go, you scared of the wild card? Is it haunting you yet, or is it out of sight, out of mind till it happens? It's out of sight and out of mind till it happens because you can only control in baseball what's in front of you right now. Yep. Um, and so your, your day is only, uh, as big as that day's opposing starting pitcher. I believe, you know, if, if the starting pitcher is someone that you're going to hit, then, you know, don't worry about it so much, but, um, if it's a tough guy and, and you don't know who you're going to be able to get out there with this kind of beat up lineup, you know, it may suck, but either way, we've got a month or so of baseball in the regular season left. So enjoy it as much as you can, because, um, those months between really, really suck. Yeah, they were, they do. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. Hope you enjoy the rest of the season. Hopefully we stay in touch, do some things in the future. Absolutely. It was great talking to you All guys. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. All right. That was Jay from River Ave Blues. You can find him on the internet, as you well know, after listening. Thank you very much for listening. Jake, got any final words? Yeah. Jay Destro, check him out. Check us out. Rate, subscribe, review, hang hang out. Like six stars. Retweet something. Six stars. Nah, just get a keep shirt. listening. Keep listening. Get, 
keep keep listening. Thank go, you very much. Go Yanks. We, got, we have more interviews coming up. We have more series recaps coming up. Let's keep it going. Yankees every day, all day, until the season ends. See ya. Go Yankees. Tell them, Grandma. Go Yankees. <laughs> <laughs>